Hello there, welcome to Let's Talk, your one-stop pod for all things pop culture. I'm Stu, uh, with me as always is Rory, how are you? I'm alright, I'm alright. Um, been a bit rough, but I'm on the mend, I'd say. And we've had our, our customary month-long hiatus due to holidays and sickness and... Yeah, what, what we tend to do is is like, yeah, let's do, we do three or four podcasts and then we have a month off. It's kind of like the, it's it's like being a school teacher, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's it's kind of, the, it's kind of doesn't quite fit, but we have every intention of maybe catching up a little bit. I think we've been busy, obviously, like Stu, Stu, Stu mentioned, but there was a lot of going on with Game of Thrones because obviously we covered every episode of season yeah. eight. Was that eight? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was obviously quite a lot. And and also, I don't think there's been... Uh, we were just talking post-coming on that there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff happening this year. Uh, there's a lot of TV content. Um, but I think in terms of films, it's been quite a slow year, to be honest. I think Endgame has kind of blown everything out of the water. And Disney have been quite cautious about throwing other big big kind of stuff into the mix i know toy story 4 has come out and it's done quite good things you're going this weekend I'm yeah i'm going on sunday well. yeah i'll be there on saturday i think we're going so that'll be cool um and lion king comes out next month and then they've obviously got star wars coming out towards the end of the year but it's not and obviously spider-man which we will be discussing of course you know and reviewing um which has got a load of hype and the critics haven't not official critical response but like a load of people are buzzing about it um and i'm quite excited because i think uh we talked even when we did one of these before that the one of the follow-up trailers was much more revealing and it kind of made me a lot more excited about it because i think the first two were a bit generic until they could drop a bit more spoilerific content you know when since endgame's been out they decided to drop a bit more about iron man and and what the kind of i think he's stepping into tony's shadow is what they're trying to do yeah they? for 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 spidey so i think that's but unwittingly isn't he like one of the in one of the trailers one of the police guys says to him oh so are you going to be the new iron man yeah and you can and that that's the whole point isn't it? he's struggling with the expectation of how the hell am i supposed to do that and yeah, you, you can. I see mean, the why. content around it's great. Obviously, they're touring the world. Um, load of cool stuff going on. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Tom Holland. Tom Holland are like best mates. It feels. Yeah, like. they I they think are they're quite good got, like, together. A brotherly, brotherly relationship because obviously Jake's probably at least ten years older. Um, you forget Tom Holland's like twenty three. He's so fresh faced, man. He's so innocent and naive. Um, did you watch that show? Um, I know we talk about John Favreau a bit. Did you watch Chef on Netflix? You know, they did the show as well as the film. I've not watched the show. So I watched the show. It's, it just makes you want to eat. Um, but it's pretty cool. Obviously, That's why Favreau's I don't want to watch a... it, because it's not like I, I need any encouragement to want to eat. Oh, mate, you just... If I'm awake, eat. I'm generally eating. It's amazing. Um, it's a really good show, but he, he, he kind of... He has guests on, doesn't he? Like one he, of them he has guests. Gwyneth Paltrow um, on. Paltrow's on the first episode, Scarlett Johansson's on one, and Hello. then um, in Atlanta, they sit down with like Tom Holland and Downey Jr. and the Russos, and oh, they don't really cook with them, but they just have a meal. And even then, you know, Tom Holland's so innocent and naive. And Sounds just like Saturday like, Kitchen, but on a slightly bigger uh, it's, budget. It's, it kind of, you think it, it's got elements of that. It's just more, I mean, if, if you see, you've seen the film at some stage, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I watched it, it was really good. Yeah. 
it's my kind of go-to light-hearted you know because and and you can tell favreau actually loves it because it you know he's brought a few of his mates on um but it's not bad to be able to ring up and be like scarlet yo i've got a tv show about cooking you want to come on (laughs) exactly Exactly. Does it go all British Bake Off and she starts making like really bad innuendos about soggy bottoms it's, it's, and it's not too bad things um, being really fun those fronts, but it's I mean the guy that he got inspiration from is is this really cool guy who did all this kind of um, left the kitchen start a food truck kind of business it's 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 a good watch um, but Paltrow's on it as well and he's talking away to her and she's like. And, he, and he's talking to her about being on Spider-Man. And he's like, you know, that scene when you were going to get engaged. And she's like, that was Spider-Man? I was in Spider-Man. <laughs> and she literally has no clue. And then they were on Grey Norton the other day, and she, she was doing the same. She's like, I don't know what any of them are called. <laughs> it's like, for fuck's sake, oh, you're to, getting oh, paid. to be that rich and famous, you just turn she's, up, do a couple of lines and go, yeah, But whatever. she's kind of charming in a lot of ways, do you know what I mean? So I kind of I kind of let her off um, but yeah, it was Tom Holland and um, uh, oh god, I can't. Jake Gyllenhaal were on um, Graham Norton as well and, and promoting the film, and yeah, they're all great together. I'll have to Tom at least watch Tom that Hanks, one. Tom Hanks was on as well, so it was it was quite a couch actually. It was really good. I um, love Tom Holland; he's just great fun. Yeah, so it's been it's you can tell there's a lot going into that. So I think Disney will push that, and then obviously they've got a big expo towards the end of August, and we've got Comic Con and various stuff. So there'll be a bit more content to come. But obviously, you know, Joker's getting a bit of hype around it. Good hype, I think. I know it's still early days, but um, they're talking about throwing it in some of the film festivals, which I think means. At least they think they've got something good. I know critic stuff doesn't do a lot for you, but do you know what I mean? If they think they've got something they can throw, then maybe Joaquin Phoenix mm. has got a bit of a masterclass on his hands, hopefully. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, other than that, I've not been watching a lot. I know we talked briefly, you've been watching Swamp Thing, which you've been raving about. I've, I've absolutely loved it because Swamp Thing is one of the ones that usually comes up on my my lists of like underrated and misunderstood characters because people think he's a bit shit but he's actually one of the most powerful dc characters going because he can he can't really be killed and he can sort of teleport anywhere around the world by using this what they call the green which is basically every every bit of plant life in the world is linked and he can sort of use that as like his own little underground and but the way it's been done, James Wan is an executive producer on it. That's so smart, yeah. It, it's got the horror feel about it, and it is quite suspenseful, and and the action's good, and the CG's brilliant, but the practical effects are good. And the really sad thing is that the decision was made by fucking Warner Brothers to cancel it after only the first episode had been shown. But they they are still showing the rest of the series because they've already filmed ten episodes. Um, so they are being shown. Yeah, it, it's random that it got it got pulled so quickly. The, there's been um, rumours about what happened. The big lead in rumour was when when TV and films um, set up in a state in in the US, they get given a certain amount of money, don't they? Either they get given the money literally, like they'll write them a check or whatever, yeah. or they get the money off in like tax deductions. So they might say, you know, well you'll pay tax at a much lower rate and that saves them, you know, X number of dollars. And supposedly um, Atlanta, I think it is where they're filming it, had said, we will give you to the tune of $40 million. But then when time actually came for them to pay up, 
they only gave him about 10 million or something. And so okay. DC's costs went through the roof, but that was poo-pooed by one of the Disney higher-ups. And they said, it's nothing to do with that. There's also suggestions that because Warner, as in Time Warner, they're thinking about doing their own streaming service and they didn't see the point in having DC Universe, I'm... which has only been going for a year and their own streaming service. So I'm, I'm slightly concerned about the streaming service world that we're moving into. I mean, Disney does sound, obviously Disney have got an incredible amount of content because they basically own everything. Yeah. Um, so for them, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. They've got probably got all the Fox back catalogue stuff now, and they've got obviously all the stuff with Marvel and Disney and animation. And Star and Wars, you know, that, that small minor franchise. Yeah, that tiny franchise. Um, so they've kind of got themselves covered. Netflix have been quite smart. They've moved into the market of doing a lot of creative independent stuff, bringing a lot of good directors. Then you've got Apple kind of throwing the hat in the ring. I think they're far too late to the party, to be honest, but they have got some quite big directors like Spielberg and people involved. Apple so are doing, be... for me, what Apple always do, turn up late but then try and bamboozle people with celebrity endorsements. Yeah, but there's an element work. of that. It, yeah, I mean, it's it... not going to be enough to overthrow Netflix. No, 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 they're too late. And and Prime's the same. Like, So we've got Prime because, you know, Laura's got a an Echo and we use it for the music service and obviously Prime with the delivery stuff is really good, but yeah. Prime's original content is quite lacking, oh, generally it's speaking. Terrible. Yeah, like occasionally they get good stuff. I've talked about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel before and that's good and there's some, some okay good stuff but but the film content isn't really there and it's, it's all, like when, uh, when people search for something online you Google, when people think about streaming you will always only ever think about Netflix and that's yeah, probably Netflix. never going to change because it's been going no, for that Sky, long. Sky obviously always had their box set element and obviously they've yeah. got this great link with HBO so they produce these really quality TV shows like Barry and Game of Thrones and all the stuff and uh, Big Little Lies and stuff like that so there's some really good HBO content that comes across and they have partnerships in place. Chernobyl obviously being another one Yeah, um, it's getting loads of hype and I've watched two or three episodes I need to finish it off but um but really high, high quality content TV stuff. But I just don't think, you know, ND, NBC or whatever they are, are taking office back from, I guess, Netflix in the US. And they've got their own streaming platform. They're bringing out $100 million. I know. It's just insane. Um, Friends, they paid $100 million pounds or whatever it was for. Yeah, Netflix they paid. For another year. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, what Netflix start doing now is they show their top 10 stuff of what people have watched and i mean it, it's it's becoming quite an interesting thing so there was that adam sandler adam sandler's got an eight movie deal or whatever with netflix um generally producing quite average you know mid-level films but yeah. no one's going to watch them at the cinema anymore so he's been quite smart it's the same with jennifer aniston she's tied in on this latest one this murder mystery one and, you know, she was never going to become a huge film star or she tried and it didn't really work for her. But, you know, she's quite at home with the not straight to DVD, but, you know, I mean, straight to Netflix kind of equivalent yeah. stuff where she's kind of in her in her wheelhouse, in her comfort zone and, and stuff like that. That did like 40 million views over the first weekend. It, was it broke. It's their, it's their um, most viewed thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just kind of crazy. You know, these kind of films, because they're kind of just... There. easy watch stuff and they're in they're there for you to watch and it's 90 minutes and you don't really have to think and you can you know look at your phone and, and everybody knows somebody who's either got a netflix account or will let oh, you yeah. use it and yeah it's it's just the way the world it's, it's just it's the most digestible content 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's very smart the way Netflix do stuff, but that is creating a bit of a home for, you know, other people. But then you've got a home for like Scorsese. I mean, he's he did the Bob Dylan documentary that's that's dropped, and then he's doing The Irishman, which is that big hundred plus million production for Netflix, which is huge for them, you know. Um, and it'll have the two week cinema release, so it can get nominated for awards, and then it'll just be on Netflix for all time and. It's kind of crazy, but it's so much space anymore. Do you know what I mean? I, I can see Disney, but it needs to stop at some point because otherwise you're going to be signing up for seven, eight, nine, ten, and bankrupting yourself. And then everyone's going to want something all in one place again, which is why yeah. Netflix came around in the first place. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one place. Well, I, so, I already think it's ridiculous just thinking, oh, I want to watch such and such tonight. Is it on Netflix? No, is it on Prime? I, I, I said I want to create a bloody website, or I'm sure there's a Twitter account or, or a million that, that tell you, but it's hard to find out. You know, you have to go on your app and check each one. And do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I find my days just trying to find content and then finding it's not bloody there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just driving me crazy. But I mean, we have got a main topic um, and I guess I'll touch upon it briefly. So Amazon bought the rights to Lord of the Rings. Um, not the film content, not the original books themselves, but like the other content that goes along with it. So all the other Tolkien work um, and they're producing what would be, in a lot of people's eyes, the next Game of Thrones. Do you know what I mean? So they're producing this huge... I don't, I don't know, they paid like £80 million for the rights alone or something. It was insane. It's like, never seen anything like it. And in the UK, they've got all three original films, but so do Netflix um, on, on their streaming platform. So it's not like them buying the rights to make new content just gave them the exclusive rights to have Lord of the Rings as content. So it's all a bit random for me, but it is going to be quite huge production. And I mean, after the Lord of the Rings, which we're talking about, um, not going to talk about the Hobbit trilogy, thank heavens. Um, But, you know, it's been quite a few years since the Hobbit trilogy came out. And I think everyone that wants to see more of this content is, is probably quite excited for what they're going to do. But at the same time, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of fear around maybe them ballsing it up because I think this original trilogy, as we're going to go on to talk about, means a lot to a lot of people. Um, not necessarily you until you watched it two weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, but from my point of view, it's it's got that nostalgic element as well as being something I I genuinely you know love. So it's going to be quite interesting which way it goes, but. It's going to be, you know, this is this is very much a first take for you in terms of your opinions on what is one of the most renowned trilogies of all time, really. So I'm quite intrigued what you think. Yeah. Well, the reason I didn't watch it originally is because I'm a stubborn prick. Well, so... were you 18, I'd say, when it came out, the first one? Because a couple of years on me, and I think I was about... 16 when the first one came out uh what when was it released 2001 is my gut feeling so i was 20 okay yeah i think maybe it was a little yeah no it's 2001 2002 2003 so you were at uni probably uh yes i think i was either at uni or i was doing me me year out for work yeah so it's one of those, isn't it? It's a little bit. So maybe I was eight, 17, 18. Um, it's one of those. It's tricky because if you're that age, 
like I think we we very much missed the Harry Potter train. Let's be honest. I don't have a problem in the world with that because Harry Potter does nothing for me. No, the, exactly. The Lord of the Rings stuff, I basically avoided it because you know what I'm like. If people tell yeah. me, "Oh, you've got to watch this," I will stubbornly say, "Fuck off!" No, I don't. Just to yeah. annoy people. And, and I think and I went time, in blind. You know, I, I, I didn't know much. Yeah, I I wasn't as into fantasy as I am now. I was more into me comic book stuff. See, and yeah, sci-fi. I, I probably was more into fantasy stuff because I'd grown up watching, I guess, things like Willow and. You know, the stuff that was like, start, you know, Lucas-based stuff. Do you know, Lucas and Spielberg, I guess, who did kind of crossed into the kind of fantasy stuff. So things like things like Willow and things like, what's the weird one with David Bowie and the puppets in it? Labyrinth. Labyrinth, yeah. Yeah, and those kind of things. I mean, they're doing a Dark Crystal remake that looks amazing on Netflix. Um, and that's that kind of stuff growing up, you know. Um and so for me, I was kind of into that stuff, but there wasn't a lot of that content. And it's not like I played Warhammer or any of the shit that people did. Do you know what I mean? Um, at the games workshop or anything. I wasn't that full into it. No. Um, I'd never read The Hobbit, unlike most people. And I hadn't read Lord of the Rings before I, I went in. But I kind of was just, it just looked amazing. Because obviously it's got that, you know, New Zealand backdrop, which we all talk about you know, in a bit of detail, because it is it's kind of iconic. It's what makes the film for me. But um, I just, you know, probably was falling into the hype, went to see it, and then it ended, the first one. And I was like, well, is that it? When, you know, I didn't even know it was a bloody trilogy, because the internet wasn't that prevalent then, do you know what I mean? And I didn't know the books. I, I knew it was a trilogy, you know, three books, but I didn't know what type of thing they were going to do on screen. I thought they might condense it all into one film. And when it ended, I was like, shit, I've got to wait a week. I've got to wait, wait a whole year for this. Do you know what I mean? To watch the second film. And at least it was only a year. That, that's another thing that's benefited me. Quite a few people have said to me, you're actually better watching yeah. it the way I did because that I, I, I watched, it was when I was really badly ill. I had a horrendous bout of uh, oh, gastroenteritis. Really yeah. Me and the baby both had it, which was fucking delightful. Oh, um, I know. I felt really bad for the baby. I didn't. Really I felt worse either. for Michelle because she had to oh, look after a vomiting baby on her it's own. It's nothing worse when you've got two of two of the two of the in the household that are ill, yeah. and you're just praying that the other one doesn't get it because then you're basically all screwed. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? So, so I, I was bedridden for a few days, and I pretty I watched two in one day. I think yeah. I watched Fellowship of the Ring first. I hope so. And then I watch. Well, <laughs> um, I watch watch that on its own, and then the next day I watch the other two. So we're pretty much sat for seven or eight yeah. hours in a row because I watched oh, the um, the extended oh, yeah, yeah. versions. Oh god, yeah, because they're at least. I mean, the normal versions are only three hours. Um, so the, well, the, with uh, the extended ones, hours. it's three, three and a half, and I think the other. The, I think uh, must Return be four. King was. Must three be and three quarters or something. It was yeah, a hell of an it's, it's hour at least one. twenty minutes extra, and that one's already three hours twenty minutes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's quite incredible how long those films are. Because a few and, people and had said to me, "Don't watch the extended ones; watch the normal ones." But I knew I wasn't going to watch ten hours of films and then turn around straight after and go, "Right, I'm going to watch another like twelve hours." That just wasn't realistic think, for me. I think the extended the extended versions are a little bit more for the purists. I mean, what I did was watch that original film and got wrapped up in it all. And then I read all three books. 
Yeah. Um, because it's kind of like a, a need to know what's going to happen kind of spoiler. So I, I ended up reading all three Lord of the Rings books and then read The Hobbit at some stage. Um, I didn't read any of the other works. There's epilogues and loads of different works. You know, it's not quite as extensive as some of the other fantasy authors, but it is, it's a lot of, you know, back catalogue of work from Tolkien but I mean the crazy thing with Tolkien is, is, is when he wrote it all it's obviously going back such a long time compared to anyone else so he was such a pioneer in what he did um, but they really kind of brought it to life but it, it did lack a few of the bits in those three ordinary length films that you know did need that extended scenes I mean Peter Jackson's a purist I think he would have put more in it even if he could but there's only so much you can get past the studio. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. only so much people are going to sit down for. So, um, so yeah, I read all the books and then obviously watched the two films after that. And and, and I've rewatched them and rewatched them. And it's one of those things that I'm quite excited to share with my children because, you know, it's a, it's a great adventure story as much as anything else. And I think when you're growing up, they're the kind of things that you get really into. I think I did anyway as a kid. So, um yeah, there's a lot to talk about, but it's it's interesting that you finally got around to watching them, and and I'm glad you enjoyed them. That's the key for me. Cause... I I absolutely loved. It. I can definitely see why it is so highly regarded as um, as a trilogy, and I've already put it in in mine. It's up there with like um, the original Star Wars trilogy yeah, and the Dark Knights and stuff like that. Yeah, without a it's moment definitely hesitation. up there. Yeah, Back to the Future 3 is a little bit of a problem. I love Back to the Back Future trilogy. Oh, do you? Yeah. Good man. I still love it. It's just not, you know, it's 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 not as good as the other two, but it's different, and, and that's not a bad thing. I kind of don't like her in it. You know, the, the Emmett Brown. Yeah, Emmett's wife's a bit so of a knob. She's so annoying, man. Um, she takes me out of it a little bit, but I, I, I kind of like the, the Biff in the, in the Western world. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's still a great kind of villain so um but yeah there's a lot of good trilogies we can potentially do a podcast on trilogies at some stage i mean obviously toy story is now going to become a four but i think when you look back at things like what die hard trilogy? yeah i mean thing? there's a few yeah i mean die hard was a great trilogy and then obviously they made two more which Ugh. they shouldn't have done no. um there's a lot of films that they've started doing that but i think you can still treat them as kind of the original trilogy but um yeah, it is up there. I mean, it has to be up there because it it's one of the most complete in terms of the journey and, and what the characters go on. And obviously, it's unlike some trilogies, it is, it's, it's a full trilogy because it's yeah. based on three books. Do you know what I mean? It, it is a full story narrative. It's just divided because they couldn't do a 10-hour film. Um, but, I mean, all the effort that went into it, I mean, the shooting went on for two years. I think they were in New Zealand, yeah. all these actors. And they're all so close together. You know, it's... I just like I like the way the it's, it. it's yeah. I like the way it's it's set over the course of it. Is it about three years from start to finish? It's, do you know what? It's crazily it's only thirteen months because they say that at the end of wow. Return of the King. So when they return home, it's, it, they say it's thirteen months to the day that I, you know, got um, and that's that's when they've been back in the Shire. So it's probably just a year, but they walked a bloody long way or went on canoe or rode horses. It's you know, if you look at a map of, you know, and what I did when I read the books, I kept going back to the map at the beginning to see where the hell they got to and where they yeah. went because it's such a, it's like they're traveling across Europe. It's a little bit like, um, you know, Game of Thrones where there's different, different regions. <laughs> it's like backpacking. Roll on a gap regions here. of the world. It's, it's, 
it's supposed to be Europe essentially. So they start yeah. in the UK in the Shire, obviously go into I don't know where Mordor's supposed to be, but I know it's it's you know Definitely obviously the mountains. France. The mountains are related, I think, to like the the Alps and stuff. You know, um, so it's it's interesting how they they do it, and obviously the the elves tend to live in the more Mediterranean climate of stuff and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and the woodland as well. So it's, it's kind of central Europe. So it's, it's cool how it, it plays out, but yeah, I was obsessed with it for a while as a, as a kind of adolescent because it, it is, it's pure fantasy stuff, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. and, and in the Hobbit, there's dragons and, and, and a bit more in terms of like trolls and stuff. Um, but in, in these films, obviously you've got, I mean, you've got so much there. You know, Peter Jackson has an incredible way of, you know, the CG for films that are that old is quite remarkable still. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I know it, there's elements of it that aren't perfect, but there's some some great sequences, really great sequences. And at no point does it look dated. Not uh, really, no. It, it looks, I mean, the the motion capture for um, um, Andy oh, Serkis. Yeah. Is, you'd think with it being that old, almost 20 years old, you'd think it was going to look crummy. And oh, it, it's it, incredible! It doesn't. It, it it's hasn't incredible. Aged the day. Yeah, I, I would say that's one of the most significant, like, cinematic things of 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 any generation is 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 the motion capture that Andy Serkis does for Gollum, yeah. and the way they get it on screen looking quite as incredible as it does. Do you know what I mean? He 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 is Gollum personified, and and people probably don't realize the effort that went into that at that point do you know what i mean he's reenacting everything i know you sat down and watched one of the uh planet the eight films that was quite a recent recent ones weren't they the recent yeah. trilogy and he does obviously the motion capture for that yeah he sees and it. he's just amazing do you know what he, i mean he's, he's carved out a bit of a niche market hasn't he as being he the is CGI yeah. guy He's the CGI guy. Yeah, he is the motion capture guy of the world. He, That's he it, does things. Capture, not CGI. Yeah, he just he just it's phenomenal though because he's he's not just imitating something and then they're changing it. He's acting it out. Do you know what I mean? He's doing everything Gollum does, and he's doing everything Caesar does. So he's acting those motions and the way they recreate it i don't think anyone else could do anything like that and Gollum is a real star of the the films to be honest because he's obviously he's a kind of hero and a villain in some different ways do you know what i mean like he he's obviously got his split personality and he's he's obviously bound to the ring and that's what affects his personal he's basically he's got like ptsd hasn't he because he's been alive for so long and he's he's got a bit of <coughs> Stockholm syndrome about him as well, where even though the ring has turned him into this horrible, withered, shriveled scrotum yeah. of a thing, and and yet he's he's in love with it. He's absolutely besotted with it. And I, yeah. I, I I think I remembered saying when they started talking about Smeagol, I remember saying because I was basically I was live tweeting the whole yeah the no, whole thing. Good. Um, and I remember saying, I hope we actually get to see Smeagol. And it's at the start of the third film, isn't it, when it you is. see him? And I, w- I absolutely loved that. I, that was one what? of my favourite bits. That, that third film, so I watched them again really recently. Um, that third film is a bit more violent, a bit more brutal than I remember. It's my favourite. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great film. Um, and it's probably the most... It's probably it's the, the most, most complete, complete. Yeah, in terms I mean, of storyline plus action. 
he starts off with Smeagol, you know, and, and there's a couple of lines Frodo mentions that, you know, he, he calls him Smeagol and he says, you know, you weren't that dissimilar from a hobbit once. Do you know what I mean? So he knows he's trying to get through to him in that, that way. Um, and when you go back to see him, obviously merrily fishing with his mate, um, who's his mate's birthday and finds the ring. And they both fight over it, and then he strangles him to death. I'm yeah, like, Jesus! I and this was about four or five minutes in. Yeah, it is, and it really sets the tone. It's, it's quite a dark film, you know. There's it's a lot more harrowing things that happen in that film. Um, Pippin picks up the the orb thing as well, gets transported, you know, into Sauron's mind and, and all that stuff. That was quite... So for kids, there's elements of those that are quite brutal. And then Eowyn chops off the bloody head of the Nazgul at one stage. Um, which, <laughs> which was is amazing. Awesome. Yeah, and so there's elements and scenes in that film that are actually quite violent. I think he did push the boundaries a little bit. Um, that said, though, there are some cut scenes when you watch these things on like Netflix, where the original version in the first film, when Boromir gets killed, which is quite a sad ending. Sean Bean obviously going to cop it at some point, wasn't he? Because it's Sean Bean. Um, it's like a contractual thing. It is. He yeah, I can't survive for... more than more than a season of a of a TV show yeah. or more first than a film of a trilogy. First thing he says when he walked in is, "How long have I got?" <laughs> He's like someone with a terminal illness. How long are you giving me? Like you get most of the first <laughs> film. Oh, all right. Then. You get nearly all the first film, but the guy that's about to chop his head off and the arrogant comes in and, and saves him at that point. I know he's already been shot twice or three times with the arrow, but oh, he's about to shoot an arrow right point blank into his head. Oh he, yeah. The point. big massive troll yeah. arrow, which shoots like tree stumps. Yeah. So that big guy, he, when I think he, you know, he has a dagger stuck in his leg, the arrogance, yeah. you know, he pulls out of his leg and in the original, caught he licks the blood off the dagger nice. which which was pretty cool and i remember that scene and then i watched it again i was like i swear something different happened then so there's been a couple of edits over to make it maybe a little bit more pg do you know what yeah. i mean i think that's a sad thing in a lot of ways because i think kids need that slight element of you know because that's what we wanted growing up we watched things like terminator 2 and all that and we wanted that slight edge that you get from films that you're not supposed to watch at that age so you do need that but the third film that that sequence where he strangles him it's pretty no holds barred and then he's becoming Gollum they see the bits where he's yeah his, his hair starts out. coming out and he's he living in that cave and living in cave and eating the bloody raw fish oh god kind of yeah it's pretty brutal man you see all this teeth start to rot and grow oh it's horrible yeah um but you, and it, you do start feeling really sympathetic for him don't you and that's what's weird yeah he's the he's that's, not the that's villain that's what i mean with him he's not the villain because you do care about him and and actually, he brings quite a lot of light and a lot of laughs to certain sequences. Like in the second film, when uh, before Faramir, you know, uh, they're, they're hiding in the woods and those elephants come along and they're kind of fighting. Um, and they cook in the stew and he's 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 like, he's in agony when they're cooking the rabbits because he wants yeah. to eat them raw. <laughs> and then he's on about, you know, potatoes. And he's like don't need any of those stinking potatoes and all this stuff. It's just genius. Like their relationship, him and Sam obviously hate each other because um, they're both kind of vying for Frodo's attention. Um, and, and obviously Sam doesn't trust him at any point. He's probably right not to trust him as well, let's be honest. But yeah. it seems that he leads him into a giant spider's lair at one point and tries to steal the ring. But I think before 
he betrayed him, you know, the fountain or the waterfall where they capture him. He did trust Frodo, do you know what I mean? And he was on side. But as soon as that happened, Gollum went back to being Gollum, not Smeagol. Do you know what I mean? He just he, he's just turned, and it's 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 how circus can do that light and dark in in those elements. It, it's really incredible performance, and he never really got any kind of real recognition for it. I know people gave him a lot of praise, and in our you know fans like we would be or normal people but it's a shame he didn't ever really get the recognition because it is quite astonishing and, and again like you said his work in Planet of the Apes is, is is up there with with just incredible performance capture that no one's no one's done before and probably will do again for quite a long time I'd say so yeah he's one of the standouts one of the kind of key characters to talk about and you know I mentioned it before but I think what what this is a kind of love letter to New Zealand as much as anything else because, you know, Jackson's obviously from New Zealand. Um, all the actors went over there for, for you know, two years to shoot. I think maybe it was 18 months, but they, it was a long, long time. There's a lot of shooting, obviously, going into this film because it's it's not just how long the films are, but all the main characters are in the majority of the film. Do you know what I mean? It's It's not a... There is a big cast, but it's mainly centered around the nine of the fellowship. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, obviously Gandalf and, and the hobbits, Aragons and Legolas and Gimli, the key characters, obviously Boromir in the first I film. I love Gimli. Yeah. I, I will get on to Gimli and Legolas relationship because they're probably the, the golden moment for me. Um, when they're counting them out and the amount of kills they've had, it's just absolute genius. Um, but all their characters, their relationships, but it's mainly about them. Do you know what I mean? You've got you've got Saruman and you've got, you know, you've got the elves and you've got other characters that are kind of secondary. And obviously in the two towers, you've got um, all of the uh, oh, the king. I can't remember his name, um, but the, the, all the horse people essentially, Eowyn and, and yeah, and Carl Urban and all those kind of people, um, and the trees and all the, everything else, but. You know, Gollum and the main nine characters are, are the kind of crucial ones in, in throughout. So for them, it must have been such a big process shooting this. And all the locations are pretty much real. You know, when they're on the Misty Mountain before they go into the mines, that's real. You know, they, they heli, helicopter up to there, I believe, and, and that's shot on the mountainside. Wow. Um, and most of the, the most of it's real work. If you go to New Zealand... You can go to most of the sets because they are a lot of the backgrounds have been taken from other mountain ranges and kind of put in and there sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I've been to quite a lot of sets when I was in New Zealand, not necessarily intentionally, but you stumble across it. And it's like, oh, this was a set in this film. Or it's like know, islands with Game of Thrones, isn't yeah, it? There's bits where you exactly. walk through the forest and go, hang on, this is where the Starks found the direwolves, and yeah, oh, this is where the 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 Brotherhood without banners. This, that, yeah. and the other. And... I mean, it's a beautiful country. It's it's one of my favourite places, and South Island, New Zealand, is just incredible. Um, and it's just so like that, you know. He he really does. It's like I said, it's a love letter to New Zealand. He really does express all, you know, the the scenes on the lakes and anything around there with the mountains in the backdrop. It's just phenomenal. And I just think that's what really sets this film apart is that its use of different landscapes really does portray 
you know, you feel like you're in it. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 I remember at the cinema, it definitely felt like that. Where I was oh, like blown, I, I can it blew imagine. my mind. You know, I was, I was at 17, 18. I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that. I don't think a director before that had ever done anything that grand. Do you know what I mean? With that much, I don't know. It, it's become quite norm now. It's, it, you know, you see these films, these incredible locations. I mean, Game of Thrones is a TV show and it shoots in three or four different countries, you know. Whereas then, you know, that was a huge deal. It was only one country, but the, what they shot and how they did it is just, you know, is is incredible. So, yeah, for me, the backdrop is as much as important as, as what's going on. But from a sort of storytelling point of view, Peter Jackson just, he really brought the books to life in these films. And I, I mean, I know the third film is probably the most complete, but I like the kind of quaint element of the first film because... It, it was a good, when you look at it in the... <sighs> If you were looking at it from the first film point of view, you'd probably come out of it and go, well, not a lot happened there. But yeah, when know. you look at it in the context of the trilogy, it it puts so much into place. And obviously it's not meant to be anything other than getting the main people together and starting yeah. the quest. So it's like it's Star a big Wars, introduction. You know, yeah, it's, it's everyone exactly talks like about em- Empire yeah. Strikes Back and a load of people love Return of the Jedi. But if you don't have all the stuff in Star Wars, you don't have Empire Strikes Back. If you don't have Batman Begins, you don't get to the Dark Knight. Exactly. So you, you've, you've got to take these You need things. to get the origin right. Otherwise, yeah. the middle section is going to be pointless. It's not going to mean as much. And you if know? you don't introduce the characters and, and make people give a damn about them, then you yeah. don't care when you know their emotions are being toyed with and all these things yeah. are happening and people are near and the, death. The stakes are quite small in the first film. So when um, obviously there, you know, the initial part is all about all about Bilbo. Quite famous that Bilbo found the ring. Well, you know, in 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 the cave, in in you know, from and, and had a riddle contest with with Gollum is quite a famous thing. And they, they reenact that quite well in the film. That's one of the really good things they've done in The Hobbit. Um, and Martin Freeman is excellent as Bilbo, actually. But obviously, oh, I can't remember. It's, just, uh, what's his name? Um, Gary I, Oldman? I don't know No, his it's name. not. It's Ian, Ian, someone or other. I always get confused. Um, but he's, you know, you introduced him to the Shire. Obviously, Gandalf comes in so early into it Gandalf. Um, and not, not that and, I thought he wouldn't be but he's just brilliant it's Ian Holm I knew it was Ian Holm um, Gandalf yeah I mean this is McKellen's key role for me I know, I know people love him in, in X-Men um, but for me this this is it you know he his relationship with all of the characters because everyone obviously loves him he's, he's universally kind of loved oh he's, um, he's, a, he's a godlike figure isn't he like yeah, Patrick he Stewart yeah, and it's just he's so charismatic, um, and even the opening sequence when he's riding in on his, his horse and cart, and all the kids are screaming to do the fireworks, and he lets a few off, and he's he's just such a charming. He's like David Attenborough. He's like the granddad everyone wants to have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's just that guy. Um, but his relationship with with Frodo is quite key to it all, um, and obviously Frodo, you know, wants 
once Gandalf discovers the ring is what it is, um, and and subsequently becomes trapped on Saruman's roof, uh, which is quite an interesting sequence. They're having a him and Christopher Lee, who at that stage must be at least one hundred and seventeen years old. Oh yeah, I don't think he's. I think he's still alive. I hope he is. He was still doing he- heavy metal music into his like when he was ninety five or something. Yeah, he's he's an absolute. He's he's like a B movie icon, isn't he? He always did those classic kind of. Um, horror movies, but he's a, he's a kind of good secondary villain, or, or he's kind of one of the main villains, really, in this. Um, but... He is. He's one of the main villains, but he was actually on screen a lot less than I thought he no, would he be. No, he died a few years ago, actually. He died at age 93, 2015. Um, I know even even in his 90s, he was still making heavy metal. Oh, yeah, he, he still he, he never stopped touring. He only started doing metal when he was in his 70s or something. <laughs> he's just an incredible man. And, and um, he, was a, he was a former bloody soldier. He used to do... Um, he was a paratrooper, and he served yeah. in... Second World War, he, you read about He's, him and you're just going, this is not a real man, this is... But to get him involved fiction. was such a kind of masterstroke, do you know what I mean? He he, he was so good in this. Um, and him and McKellen really kind of bounce off each other in, in good ways. Yeah. I mean, he's that proper fantasy villain, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Everything just the way he speaks. Flamboyant. He's he, got a great voice. so yeah. over the top and every. You know, he could be reading out the instructions on how to make a ham and cheese sandwich and you'd be there <laughs> on the edge of your seat going, and what What next? What do you do next? Yeah, I know. He could make, like, reading, you know, an Ikea manual of building some piece of furniture quite an exciting and an event, you know, he's yeah. the guy. Um, I, I love him, but you know, the, the the setup is that Frodo inherits the ring and has to basically. He doesn't have to take it all the way, but he has to take it to meet Gandalf in the Prancing Pony. Um, at that point, you know, it's quite low stakes. You know, they're running away from a couple of farmers in a field. You know what I mean? It's nothing. They're still in the Shire, but as soon as the nine get introduced. They're really quite menacing because obviously they always scream, which is quite a, a horrible noise. Um, but the fact that they're faceless, you know, it's it's a really quite effective, you know, thing. And that sequence when they're running for the the ferry, which is just a wooden, you know, wooden kind of ferry, wooden raft. Always loved that, you know. And at the beginning, when you're watching the film, like, oh, you know. Felt like real stakes, and obviously Frodo gets stabbed when they're up on the, you know, when they've introduced to Aragorn, and he gets stabbed in the shoulder, and that felt, you know, that moment, you're like, this is this is big stakes, and then you get to the second and third films, and you're like, yeah, that wasn't big stakes, <laughs> you know, yeah, they were they were tiny stakes, yeah, and and obviously they the sequences leading up to going through the mine, even the attack in the forest when when Boromir dies. And they've got a cave trial in the, in, the, in the mine, which I think is a great sequence. Um, and all the orcs and stuff. Obviously, that said, Gandalf does fight a monster from hell at one stage, um, which is quite, on quite his a own. big stake. On his own. Which was badass um, as hell. One of the most kind of iconic moments in cinema, you shall not pass. I it's one say. of those things now, like the one does not simply walk into Mordor, where I, I <laughs> yeah, see it and exactly. I go, ah, I remember you from all the gifts. Yeah, winter is coming. You know, it's it's the same thing, isn't it? It's yeah. it's it's the same memes in different formats. Um, and it is a yeah. hell of a moment. You can't, you know, you see the size of this bloody fire demon, and there's just oh, this one brilliant. old crusty wizard. Yeah, and he is just that. Do you know what I mean? When he gets reincarnated into being all white, he's quite a grand figure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got this really fancy staff. Um, 
But when he's just this crusty old Gandalf the Grey, he's not a lot. You know, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve, but he's not the same. But it's it's a great sequence. I, I love the sequence going through the mines. And, and I think that's when the CGI really kicks at that point. Because before that, it's a lot of real world, you know, through the forest, through the Shire, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And then you get into the mines and you're like, whoa, this is... So when he crafts that great hall, do you know what I mean? When they let a bit more light in and stuff, it's just like, whoa, he is really created something quite special here. And those sequences in the mines are just really effective. Um, it's it's like you said, the first one was small stakes, but you really do care about the characters. Yeah. And all the hobbits are extremely charming. Um, Pippin is a fool. I love A fool of a tuck. But he's, he's a lovable fool, do you know what I mean? And him and Merry have that great relationship. Oh, they're so um, good, because you start off and you're like, God, you guys are dicks but then you go yeah, I know. oh but i really like you yeah and their the, the relationship where it's, con- they- it's a bit weird as well considering it's meant for kids and all they do is smoke, smoke. weed yeah <laughs> i was watching like, it going hang on a minute i wonder, I wonder what much. peter jackson thinks about marijuana because he seems to be quite in favor of legalizing it here yeah they just smoke and drink and, and- eat yeah, they've got some great lines. Like, it comes in pints, do you know what I mean, when they're in the pub. And Most of my some... favourite lines come from Gimli. Yeah. The, the way, I, I the way that throughout that the whole thing, characters. Yeah. when, he, when he's just constantly having a go at Legolas about when they're counting the number of dead people. Well, because and... dwarves and elves quite famously hate each other. Yeah. So that's where this stems from. So in the books, they go into a lot more detail about that. Um, but they quite famously have, have a long outstanding relationship their two houses their families they always have hated each other men obviously hobbits are nobodies to any of these people they just think of them like that they mention it in the two towers that they say to your eyes are just like children do you know what i mean so they're just dismissed as being nothing at the uh, you know and that's what the story is it's about courage can come in lots of different forms yeah um but men are, are kind of hated by both dwarves and elves because they've kind of ruined things. Do you know what I mean? And they, they, the ones that didn't cast the, the ring into the fire, they're the ones that have kind of have laid upon this um, world that they live in now. But it's, it's, it's the relationship between Legolas and Gimli. That's just, it's just phenomenal to be honest. It's so well scripted. Gimli is the most charming, likable, miserable bastard you will, ever, <laughs> you will ever come across because he's that typical dwarf in a lot of ways do you know what i mean he's the typical grumpy but he's got a big heart and he cares a lot about all the characters and he plays the role with such kind of lovable i don't know he's just so charismatic obviously he plays the tree beard as well doesn't he uh, in yeah. terms of the voice and he's got a great voice um really carries it off but it's 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 their relationship together that really develops and i think the first film has an element of it but as it goes along i, th- I think they realized that they'd struck on on what would be quite an important part of the film process is is there to those two relationship because and this film is all about friendship as much as anything else. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's their relationships. It's it's Merry and Pippin and it's Sam and Frodo, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, in that second film, it's got some of my favourite lines. Um, 
the one when they're chasing after the the orcs, um, trying to hunt them down. Oh and yeah. He, he says, <laughs> "Us dwarves, we're, we're, sp- we're natural sprinters. We're not built for long distance." Yeah. <laughs> which I'd love That's what, that was one of my favourites and he's when he's prancing when he's prancing across the skulls and the mines and he's being really really careful not to step on anything and he looks like yeah. he's a bit grossed out the yeah. drinking contest with him and Legolas when oh. he just he, he's absolutely bladdered off his face um, yeah there's a lot of drinking and smoking in this film you know they Legolas celebrate well climbs they up celebrate. The, um, the elephant and he's still oh. keeping count of his kills, and Gimli just goes, that still only counts as one. That's probably the line. That's <laughs> probably it. And and when they're at the, obviously, at, at Helm's Deep, and he's like, what's going on? I can't see. And Legolas says, do you want me to get you a box? <laughs> Which is just genius. <laughs> um, and he's like, bring them on. I want to fight. You know, he's waiting for them to climb up the up the bloody ladders because he's, he's wanting to get in, stuck into the action because yeah. he can't see over the bloody wall. Um, and and he says, "Don't toss me. You never toss an elf." And he's yeah. and then Later he asks on. Aragon, Aragon <laughs> to throw him. He's like, "You're gonna have to toss me." And it's like, "Don't tell anyone. Or don't tell, <laughs> don't tell Legolas or whatever he says." It's just genius. <clears throat> it's 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 a brilliant performance. Their their relationship together. I mean, Legolas became. I mean, he was Orlando Bloom was probably the hottest property around doing this in Paris of the Caribbean for a period. Do you know what I mean? He yeah. was the guy, wasn't he? Um, but you can see why he he's become a he was the the meme of choice in that period of time. And I looked at trying to get some artwork and pictures, and there's still stuff like Legolas photos being an artwork being produced like today. <laughs> like it's insane, man. He's still become this kind of iconic character and, and remains that way he's this kind of weird elvish sex symbol which i don't even know how that came about but yeah he's you'd have to ask mr jackson about that one yeah but it is it's an he's an interesting character and i think you know the fact that he's so sure for it he does such cool things i mean you mentioned the elephant thing but oh, that the, sequence my whole so my, cool. my favorite scene probably in the whole thing is when he he surfs down the stairs yes on the shield yeah. whilst firing arrows and keeping count of everything that he kills i was going what oh shut up you beautiful bastard it was brilliant it it's, was cheesy as hell but it, was it is brilliant it's somehow he somehow toes the line a bit, Jackson, of doing quite cheesy elements in his films, some of the romance and some of those action sequences. But he gets away with it. Do you know what I mean? Because there's enough grit and enough heart and enough everything else for you to kind of go. He kind of you know let it slide. Do you know what I mean? In in a good way, he, he just gets you along. He takes you but along. When with the it. action is as good and as as relentless yeah, it as it is, and it's so well shot and so well choreographed. You yeah. don't begrudge them a single cheesy moment or a couple of cheesy moments because no. you need that to balance out the tone, don't you? Because you don't want it to just be diabolical guts and blood all over the place. You need the odd little bit of humour to yeah. play. In. And it's it's just, even just them counting kills and shouting out to each other. And yeah. like what, it, Gimli says something, he's like, I got 48. And then Legolas shoots another fella and he's like, uh, he was still twitching, that doesn't count. And he's like, shit. <laughs> Oh, no, exactly. It's, it's so childish. It is but, childish, oh, and it, it, it works. But it works. It does work, you know. Um, and Orlando Bloom is absolutely brilliant in it. He really is. 
And it's yeah, crazy to think that Viggo Mortensen wasn't the first choice as well as Aragorn. Yeah, I can't remember who it was that was lined up for it. Um, was it someone I mean, like Tom Cruise? Oh, no, it was Russell so. Crowe. Oh, okay, I can I see think, that. But... Um, unless I'm wrong, and if I'm, I'm wrong, please tell me. I'm sure Russell Crowe was the first yeah. pick to play uh, Aragorn, and he turned it down. He was like, no, because it was fantasy. No, um, I, I'm better than that in the way that a lot of people would have been like, you want me to be in an X? Yeah, film? well, he'd done Gladiator <laughs> no. at that stage and all that kind of jazz, do you know what I mean? So he's probably living off his, his high life at that yeah. stage. I think a lot of actors did turn it down because because of the process, because it was such a long shooting process. A lot of people were like, I can't, you know, the main roles, I don't think people wanted to commit like practically two years of their life, if not more, because you've got to think about they're touring this film every and year. Especially when, it when it's out. so physical and so involved. Yeah. I mean, but a lot of people, I mean, Vigo is exceptional in these films. I mean, oh, he is. There's so much trivia around Vigo. He, he was kind of such an unassuming kind of guy, but he's so charismatic. Um, he, he said, uh, there's one thing I just read before, and there's so much trivia. You could read it for days, but he was so impressed with his horse his character road that he purchased it <laughs> upon completion and he got it shipped back to the States. Um, As one does. This, and the horse was shipped back to New Zealand for the additional shots that were filmed in 2002. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, I kind of like so that. Much good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, when and, uh, Gollum eats a raw fish, it's Andy, actually Andy Circus chewing on a fish-shaped lollipop. Apparently. Oh, lovely! Um, it's amazing stuff. There's so much good stuff in in all of these films. I, I've read so much in the past, but I've kind of forgotten a lot about a lot of it. I just read that the Battle of Helm's Deep took four months to shoot, all of which at night. So that's quite similar. Um, oh, that's a lot longer actually um, than the Game of Thrones battle. A lot of people talk about this when you throw things up. I know we we touched upon it when we talked yeah. about Game of Thrones. Well, again, um, now now Helm's I've Deep. actually got that that frame of reference. I now see why so many people yeah. rave about Helm's Deep being and it's got the, it's the got that stick. element to it because obviously, I mean, what I love about Helm's Deep so much is, I mean, the build up to it is. Uh, got an unat- unintentionally one of the funniest parts of any of these films. He's speaking to that kid who's probably about 12 years old, Aragon is, and the kid looks completely shit scared because they have no fighters at that stage. Yeah. There's a point where the elves turn up and kind of help their numbers, which is good. Um, but before that, and he's and he's talking to this kid and asks him who he is, and he's, you know he says, and he's looking at his sword, and it looks like it's made out of tinfoil. It's probably the worst sword I've ever seen. And Aragon <laughs> kind of flails it around a little bit. He's like, this is a great sword. And the kid's face goes, yeah, I've got a good sword here. Yeah. And it's just genius because it makes me laugh because I look at it and go, this is the worst sword anyone's ever had, mate. You are completely screwed. Yeah, when you are absolutely knackered. But it, may, it makes me laugh because just does. Um, but that sequence, when when the fight's about to start, and obviously all the huge amount of orcs, it's tens of thousands, come in. And, he, you know, the king is still so nonchalant about it. Helmsteep's never been breached before, so he never thinks anyone could do anything. But obviously it's quite naive. Um, but when the rain starts pouring and then it starts, you know... It, it, the, the sound effects are so good when it starts pinging off their armor it's just so effective i can imagine really in the cinema like that would have there. that would have sounded absolutely incredible yeah, especially i can't if it remember but even, every time i watch it now still it just sounds so effective and you just kind of know what's coming and it is a quite an epic fight because it 
it has so many kind of elements to it. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a little bit different from Game of Thrones where they they pan out and they have a, a little bit. It's, it's more of a continuous thing, yeah. you know, where they keep kind of rallying and. It's that lovely sequence when the guy is carrying the torch, essentially the explosive, to blow that that part of the weak part of the structure. Oh up. yeah, and and Legolas, Legolas and is just keeps shooting saying, arrows. Bring him down, down, and he keeps shooting arrows into different parts of him, not stopping him. And then you know, that guy reminded first. me of um, the <coughs> the big huge buggers that they had in Thor two. You know when they used that that stone thing and yeah. it turned him into those huge monsters. He, he kind yeah. of reminded me of that. And I wonder if maybe that's where they got the the inspiration from, because obviously Thor was, what, about nearly 15 years later, 10 years later or something. You forget about all the, I mean, all the prosthetics and all the kind of real world stuff. Like, the orcs look so good. They look terrifying. They genuinely do. Yeah. And the fact that every single one looks different. Yeah, the, the orcs it's, aren't generic. Everyone is individual, no, like a human, and they're all be. kind of different fighting styles. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the the smaller ones, the beaky nosed looking ones, you know, compared to the Urukai, which are the ones that Saruman kind of has has formed or forged. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. made them. Um, they were those, mildly terrifying. Those things. Yeah, I mean they are like they're, they're big guys, and the big thing with orcs is that I don't think they can run in daylight normally. But these ones that he made can do that because they're blended. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. why in the second film they can keep running for days. Um, but they hate each other. You can see throughout the films that the different types of orcs always argue with each other. They 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 do in when they're fighting over the meat um, and they're trying to kill the hobbits. You yeah. Know, and those those disgusting snivelly ones. They're so effective, man. Um, and and again in the third film after. Um, Frodo had been stabbed by the spider and, and gone, you know, and that they, they take him off into the tower. Me out. I well, well, we could get to that. That is, uh, we could do it now. But that is such an effective. Um, the CG in that is so good, but the way it moves, do you know what I mean? It's so scary, and he gets caught up in all the cobwebs, and you got Gollum just taunting him throughout it. It's bloody. It's, it, and you think he's got away, and then. You see the spider kind of go up onto the ceiling and stab him in the gut. That is so effective. I mean, I think that made me jump at the time because uh, I didn't see it coming. Um, and obviously Sam comes to the rescue and it's quite a nice moment and scene for Sam to get his kind of heroic moment after he'd been... Because him and Frodo had, well, not fallen out, but Gollum was putting a rift between them all the way through, wasn't he? It was really clever. Yeah. Um, by by the but, end by the end of it, I really really liked Sam, and I suppose we've got to say yeah. Sean Austin is such a lovely guy. Do you know what I mean? He's such a lovely guy. His role, obviously, going way back to, to the Goonies, and he's had a, such a, a kind of nice career. But him in this, and then obviously in Stranger Things season two when he plays oh, the boyfriend. Bob. Oh, poor Bob! Like. But Sam in this, he gets his kind of happy ending. He gets the girl, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah, not just any girl. Thing. He gets the the girl that he's Rosie. been terrified yeah. to speak to, and they have little hobbit babies. Ah, uh, it's yeah. With but why wouldn't he? You know, he feet and their big ears. He, he's been yeah. in the heart of Mordor. He's been to like the scariest place on earth. So there's nothing else that could be more terrifying than the things he's seen. So asking some girl exactly out suddenly is yeah, Rosie not Cotton. I think she's called. Yeah, it's. And just his whole arc where he goes from being Frodo's mate to being a bit of a little bitch to he finally grows a pair and he he 
he becomes a bit of a warrior, doesn't he? As they all do. Yeah, I mean, I it's become you know a bit. Their relationship always got a bit of a laugh because it, it kind of bordered on the kind of gay sexual relationship oh, it, it, with people. There's definitely you know. homoerotic vibes in there. Yeah, but it, uh, the, the the part that still gets me is when he says, "You know, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you." And it's like, Jesus, man! Like yeah. if I couldn't, <laughs> you know, like you anymore, you're literally <laughs> lifting your mate up. And I think what the thing they don't quite get across in the film that they do so well in the books, which you can imagine they would in a book, is that they've been they're starving in Mordor. They, you know, I know they show that they've not got a drop of water left, but they've not had any food, any water for days weeks at that point you know what i mean they are literally dying and i think they do kind of get that across that sam's always expecting to go home and then he kind of resigns himself to the fact that this is a one-way journey um but you know they are in the worst place alive it's basically hell do you know what i mean mordor is hell that's what it's supposed to represent and they're there just trying to get to the end of it and the fact that he summons that courage and strength it's it's you know only to get his head smashed in with a rock because Gollum creeps back up again. Um, but it's it's that last sequence is quite special. But we'll we'll rewind a little bit and yeah, Helm's Deep as we were talking about is such a great battle sequence that just goes on and on. And then the the know, scale of it is, is staggering. When when they do the wide shots and you see the. They're all models. The, the, the you know. They've done those real them. models and they've shot it like it's real world, but they're kind of models. It's really, it's not quite CG. It's a mixture of CG and real model. Use, yeah. But it's very clever. But it, it's it's just that it's such a grand scale that they're working on. And again, yeah. going back how far it is, because things like that now seem a lot more commonplace. Yeah, they do. Game of Thrones has, has, has brought a lot of that into yeah, the Yeah, it's, you know, it's normalised that sort of huge scale fantasy, hasn't it? Yeah. And it, 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 watching Game of Thrones and loving Game of Thrones has definitely put me in the right frame of mind to not just watch this, but to really get out of it. Yeah, exactly. What, what I did. So I'm I'm glad that I waited. I would love the chance to go and see them if they were ever released, you know, in IMAX. Uh, yeah, I, I think they'd be great. I, I watch them in playing cinema, but I think if they ever get an IMAX release, I'd definitely go I mean, and that, see them. I mean, that would think. be incredible, especially the um, Helm's Deep and IMAX with all the extra sound. and. I think Helm's Deep and, and even the Battle of, of the White City in the third film is, is an epic I, battle. I actually prefer the Battle of the White City over Helm's I, Deep as think... a battle. But as a spectacle, yeah, I, Helm's Deep can't really be topped. I think that's it. I think Helm's Deep is... It's, do you know what? Helm's Deep is... It's the sequence when Gandalf brings the riders in that is just so effective. Do you know it's what just I mean? classic cavalry, isn't it? And yeah, especially when he's there glowing the white. sun on their back and their sun blinds them as they're coming in. Yeah. They come in. And obviously hope is lost at that point. It's very similar to all things. Yeah, everyone, everyone's just expecting a sword in the face, aren't they? Yeah. But it's it's that moment when they decide to kind of ride out and, you know, Aragorn asks him to ride out with me, you know, one last time. And they ride down the kind of ramp and just, you know, fighting for their lives. And obviously that, that moment when Gandalf just really sets it off. Um, and that is, it's really cool. And then they kind of interwind that with the, the trees fighting at Saruman's door. Do you know what I mean? Which is quite a cool oh, sequence as well. The trees were brilliant. Yeah. Oh, what are they one called? of the trees the, gets uh... set on fire and then... 
they flood the whole city and he kind of dips his head it's in the, the, ants, in the water. It? It's genius, yeah. Are they ants? They are ants. Tree yeah, ants, that's yeah. it. Tree being yeah, they, great. Yeah, because he was really such a dick. Well designed. He just, he, and they just talk so slowly. It's yeah. that moment where <laughs> Mary's quite an impatient guy. Pippin doesn't have a clue what's going on at the best of times, but Mary's kind of going, you know, have you decided we need to fight? You know, he's a quite a brave character, isn't he? You know, yeah. and he has a great moment in the third film. Um, his his relationship with Eowyn is great. Um, but it's, it's you know, have you decided? It's like, we've decided that you're not orcs. Yeah. <laughs> like, For fuck's sake, you've been about an hour, you know. And they've been and talking they... for about three hours and it's like, oh, exactly. no, we've just finished introducing, each, introducing ourselves. And oh, like, oh, God. Christ, man, come on. And even never even I, was, I was sort of sitting there going, Oh, come on, the battle's raging on. Come on, <laughs> stupid tree. I know. That sequence is really good. Um, and obviously the sequence with the three of them when when um, he gets, uh, Gandalf gets reintroduced and they think it's Saruman who wanders in the woods. Do you know what I yeah. mean? They, they change his voice so it sounds like Christopher Lee. Probably was Christopher Lee. And they, they blend it in because they're blinded by the light. It's very, very effective. But it was really cool sequences. Um I do like that, you know, I think that the stories intertwine so well in these films. In the second film, obviously, they get separated, so it has to tell each individual part. Um, but they do combine the stories so well. The storytelling is just so, so well driven um, throughout. And it continues in the third film, which is just you're so good at, at getting all those stories. And you kind of go between each kind of set of characters, but it's really well, really effective. And yeah, I think the battle in two, like you said, Helm's Deep is, is epic. Um, but I think the battle in three, it's just got so many more layers because it just keeps going and yeah. going and going because. And it constantly kind of... changes from the wide shots to focusing on a, a, a really small group. And then it goes back wide and you constantly, Again, you you just reminded of the scale of it of how ridiculous the White City's got more layers. So the White City's got more layers than obviously Helm's Deep. It's got it's got different levels. It goes up and up and up um, towards the the top and the White Tree and everything else. Um, And before all that kicks off, you've got the horrible father figure or the the father, you know, who's basically lost his mind. He's a steward of Gondor. He's got no power over anything really, but he's just a steward. Um, And there's different points throughout where he sends his son because he's not Boromir essentially. And he loves Boromir. That basically to be killed. And you've got um, Pippin singing that sequence where he's just stuffing his face his son and all the troops are riding out basically to be shot and it's just like with arrows and it's just like Christ this this is quite heavy and and from that sequence onwards you get this incredible battle sequence where Gandalf has to basically command the troops doesn't he, he rallies yeah. all the troops and they keep fighting um, and even he's fight, fighting himself <laughs> yeah I know and he does fight quite a lot but in that he fights so much more um, and you can't you know you know, Pippin comes down to battle and he's like, this is no place for a hobbit. And they have that wonderful moment together where they think everything's lost, where he's like, this isn't the end, you know, you know, what happens in the afterlife is this, that, and the other, that kind of thing. And it's, a, it's a, what it does so well is a bit like, you know, Game of Thrones. It, it's coincidentally that they have those sequences of, of communication, of, of conversation and narrative that, 
uh, intertwined with the action that means the action means that much more. Yeah, you know? definitely. So it, it's it like really we said does. about the, the final season of Game of Thrones. The Battle of Winterfell was so good because of the episode before it when you just yeah. see everyone preparing, you know, very, very similar in terms of tone. People are just preparing themselves. Well, I'm going to die. So, you know, I'm going to go out. I'm going to hump someone. I'm going to drink. I'm going to eat. I'm just going to sit quietly and pray. Yeah. And everyone's just preparing himself for death. Essentially. Yeah, essentially. And it's, I mean, it it does that so well in that sequence. You know, Eowyn's story is obviously a very kind of incredible arc where, you know, she's been constantly told she's not allowed to fight. You know, she's I been constantly Eowyn. told. She's so uh, good. Miranda, Miranda Otto is just so, well, so At first when I saw her, I was like, oh my God, it's Miranda Otto. Because obviously I'm, I'm more recently know her from... Um, from Chillin' Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her character as well, this badass warrior who, yeah, for her entire life has been told, no, you can't be a, a warrior, you're just a woman. And yet yeah. she ends up killing the, um, what is it, the Witch King? The, the Witch King of Agmar, yeah. Big ugly and fucker with the coolest helmet anyone's ever seen. He's got the coolest helmet, he's got one of the coolest weapons. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of the chain axe thing that's just looks so brutal when he hits her in the, the the shield shatters and she basically looks like she breaks her arm do you know what i mean it's so so wicked and that um, weird dragon lizard thing that yeah the nazgulls that they all fly yeah i mean the nazgulls are so good they have that horrible scream you know that um it's just so kind of effective and and they're just yeah, it's really cool, and and that's that sequence it looks great. Um, but she gets that moment. Obviously, um, is it a father or her uncle? I can't remember who the king is to her. I think it's her uncle. Yeah. Um, but he gets killed basically, um, and the and the thing is coming up to basically eat him. Um, she chops the bloody head off it. Um, has that incredible battle with him, but is about to lose. And the thing is with the mythology of it all. A man can't kill the, yeah. the king. Um, it has I'd, to be I'd seen that someone gift else as well, where she says, um, "But I'm no man, or but I'm not yeah. a man, or something." Yeah. And I, I, man, I said yeah. when I was doing my live tweets, they made such a, um, a point of saying she can't be a worry because she's a woman. You knew she was going to get some kind of a huge pivotal I, moment because i knew she was going to get a big moment but uh, you know i never predicted that until i read the books obviously but it, you know it was such a, a huge thing um i forgot that bernard hill is the guy that plays um Theoden. he's from manchester is interestingly it? enough yeah he is he's the king um, isn't he Theoden. yeah king i Theoden, liked him yeah. he was really good because he's a bit of a dick but well, and, and when he starts not... out, he's being controlled by Saruman's lackey, you know, that worm tongue oh, guy. It's God, horrible he, thing. He looks like he would actually he's, be oily if you touched him. He's he's rapey as well. Yeah, he is. Big you, rapey guy. It, you yeah. would not follow him down a dark alley. No, you would not, because he's the one that's putting moves on, on her. Um, and he's controlling the king, you know, with his staff or whatever the hell he was doing. Um, yeah. And when you meet Thayde and he's a shadow of himself, he's lost his son and he doesn't even know. He looks about 150, doesn't he? Because he's yeah. all withered and grey. And when, when you know, Gandalf comes and releases him from the spell, he suddenly gets that life back into him. And it's amazing, you know, what a difference. And again, the CG with that is so perfectly done. I don't know if it's makeup and a mixture, but um, it's just so effective. Um, 
but he, you know, is such a kind of effective character because he's typical kind of king, but he, he's got a huge heart. He loves Eowyn. They've got that relationship. Um, and obviously, he's at the moment of passing is, is when, you know, Eowyn basically comes to his rescue. And then um, Mary also kind of stabs the, the Witch King in the back and, and she sticks that sword straight through his bloody helmet and he kind of basically combusts. It's quite incredible, yeah. that moment. Um, and that was very crucial to it because... You know, it's it's a big part of the battle, and you think, right, they've won it here, and then the elephants come along. You know, and that was the those, whole sequence. Those elephants were brilliant. That that was really odd to I see know. them coming in. Well, they were all part of, you know, they're all part of Mordor, really. And, and yeah. what they showed in the second film is that Faramir had always kept those at bay. You know, they they fought around the white city and a fought, you know, against those kind of things just to keep them at bay. And that's what they were always doing. They were patrolling. Um, but obviously when they're going full scale attack, you know, they're here and it was really, you know, those sequences with those elephants when they're initially fighting them before Aragon brings in all the dead people to wipe them all out. Um, it was it's so good. You know, when they're, she's, she's riding, um, and basically whipping his, uh, cutting the the elephants at the back legs so they're falling backwards, and you've got those kind of psychotic riders on top. Um, um, Carl Urban throws a spear through one of them, and it just makes the elephant go sideways and then take another one out. Yeah. It's really, really effective. And one of the elephants has that like barbaric kind of chain across the front of its legs, so it's just whipping across and taking out all the horses. It's quite brutal, like yeah, all the sequences. Um, they've all got archers on the back, and the guys on the top of there are completely different looking, aren't they? They're humans again, you know, they're men, but they're completely different. And that was a whole battle sequence. You've got orcs, you've got men, you've got elephants, you've got all the Nazgul. It was a huge battle, and I think that, that was the thing where he'd thrown all his forces at it. Well, not all of them, because they, they fought, rode out to the, the gate at the end. And they were surrounded. They were, you know, in their last last numbers. But you know, we haven't really talked about Aragon, but he has some incredible speeches. And the forming of the sword again is is quite important. And his relationship with the elves, with Liv Tyler's Liv Tyler's kind of character, um, and our good mate, what's his face um, from the Matrix and various other things. Oh, Hugo Red Skull Weaving. Nice. Yeah, Hugo Weaving. Again, quite important characters throughout. You know, they don't. A lot more goes on in the books, I think, with the elves, and the same with Kate Blanchett's kind of character. You know, where you know she's one of the original kind of king and queen. You know, elves. She's quite important, and they do get that across a little bit. But in the books, there's a little bit more to that kind of story. Um, but yeah, I think you know, Aragon is is the archetypal kind of hero, but reluctant hero in a lot of ways. And yeah. his, his, his arc is as effective as anyone else. Cause he's just a ranger. He kind of turned his back on the name. He didn't want to be the King. And then he obviously goes full circle and is crowned at the end. And it's he quite was a, brilliant. I, I was, yeah. I, I, he, I keep thinking to myself, oh, he was one of my favourite characters. She was one of my favourites, <laughs> but it's hard not to, cause there's so many characters in, in it who are yeah. likeable and believable and you really do root for them. Yeah, and I think the thing with Frodo is he's difficult to root for because... He's one of the ones I don't 
route for yeah, and I, and I, and I agree it. with that. But he plays it quite well because you kind of he's well, quite he, cold. He, he's the troubled he's, hero, isn't he? Because he's been destroyed from the inside out by the by the ring. And but if you go back to the beginning again, and I'm sure you will at some stage, he's very likable. You know, he he loves his uncle. He loves Gandalf. He's very. He's very different, and obviously he's been burdened. He's just an innocent child, has. isn't he? And then throughout yeah, the course of the journey, he's, he's forced to grow up well yeah. beyond his years from a, a quest that should never really have been placed on him. The ring should have been given to, to Gandalf or something to, yeah. to, to get rid of someone who actually understood the magnitude of it, where he didn't have any idea what no. was going on. No, exactly. And obviously, you know, it ultimately comes to deciding that he... He doesn't know how to live in that world anymore. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He he isn't the same. And as much as the others have kind of moved on and gone back out, back to their lives, he can't do that. Do you know what I mean? And it's 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 quite a. I mean that that moment depends who you are, but a moment when he springs it on them, especially Sam, that he's going to leave, is quite heartbreaking. I mean, the only problem with the ending is that there's about four of them. And I think that always gets kind of widely criticised because it's like, are you ever going to end this movie? Do you know what I mean? The screen goes to black about four times in that 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 last film. But I think, yeah, ultimately, there's a lot of kind of key moments um, at the end of the films, that being one of them. And obviously, when Aragorn gets gets crowned and they all turn to the hobbits and let's say you bow, you know, we, you bow to nobody and everyone bows to them is quite everyone kneels in front of them is quite a quite a moment you know what i mean those yeah. four innocent hobbits um and by, by lot... the end of it i mean they they've yeah. obviously come on leaps and bounds and they're not the people that left no exactly uh, but the people that they go back to are the people that left and <laughs> i think that's why it's quite you know, it's different in the books, and I know someone's mentioned this to us, and we'll, we'll kind of touch upon it. But, um, but from a point of storytelling point of view, they they go home. You can see and, why and they like the world out hasn't that changed because it, yeah. it was Anna that mentioned it to me. She very very kindly um, ripped her copies of the films and uploaded them because she said, "I want you to watch the yeah. extended versions, and I want you to have good quality so you can really get into it." And yeah. then I was I was talking to her afterwards and she mentioned all the stuff that happens when they go back. So rather than them just <coughs> going back into Shire life and like, oh, yeah, that was an interesting year. The Let's Shire get back to it. The Shire, essentially. Yeah, it's Saruman had, had retreated there and taken over the over the Shire and they basically have to battle their way. Yeah. To so they, they, they the think Shire. they're going back yeah. to normality, aren't they? But in, it's the start of a whole different mission and... Yeah. They've got to go back and sort of put their warrior hats back on. And I, I, one of the guys that mentioned mentioned it before, he said, I would have happily sat through another hour to see that. And having yeah, read it I mean, after the fact, I actually agree. I think that would have been really nice if you see them sort of coming round a corner and all of a sudden everything's on fire and dilapidated and they start thinking, shit, what the hell's happened? But yeah. then it'd be a five-hour film or something. I love it in the books, but I can kind of understand why he's not done it. Because A, like we said, there's already enough endings in there. You know, it fades to black when they are about to die outside, you know, outside of the volcano until the eagles come and pick them up. And then it fades to black when uh, they've all, you know, Aragorn's been crowned and they got married and then they, they kind of all kneel in front of them. And then again, 
I think it fades to black before they go off on the boat, you know. So it has lots of moments where you're just like, well, he's already trying to end. end, He's already (laughs) trying to end the film. I think if you had another forty-five minutes to the end of it, it won't quite fit. But I think what they, what people don't like about it, it's the only thing anyone ever complains about. I think that's the only part of the story they've not quite nailed. Um, It's just the fact that they, they haven't really shown that the hobbits have become. I don't know, like heroes, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, you know, but I think they've done, he's shown that in other ways. He, he showed that like you, you bow to nobody because you know, we're forever in your debt. Do you know oh, what I mean? that, I think, that you line know, was killer. Yeah. It is a killer. It is coronation. It, it chokes me up, man. It, I, I swear. It, it's yeah. a beautiful thing of all the people to be saying it. It's the, the hero of the day, the guy yeah. who killed, you know, hundreds and thousands of things. And oh, he's gosh, like, yeah, you know, you don't bow to me. It, this is all because of you. And yeah. that, that was a ri- that was one of the more powerful moments in, in the whole trilogy, you know, in like nearly 12 hours of cinema. Yeah. And you've got, you know, the warrior king is telling the little <laughs> hobbit children, no, no, this is all because of you. And it is. I mean, that's the thing. that What they did to, you know, those decisions, those independent decisions, Frodo chose to go alone. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Sam obviously tagged along because he, he, Sam... But he was he was willing to go alone. Yeah. Um, and of course, you realise that, that had he do, had he gone alone, he would have failed miserably. Exactly. He, he, yeah, he exactly. wouldn't have made it without Sam, and arguably he, he wouldn't have made it without anything. Gollum. Yeah, either, yeah. In, in a lot of ways. I mean, Gollum showed him the way as much as anything. I know it was it's all a bit um, obscure, but he still did. Um, but yeah, it, it, that that moment and a lot of those sequences are are really powerful. Very it, very it hard. The right emotional. Stuff. Yeah, it does, but in, in not in a cheesy way, as we mentioned. It feels quite genuine. And the I think stuff with them the getting on the boat was, yeah. was overly cheesy. I really could have done it without was. that. It was a little bit diabetes-inducing. But it, it, it's a little bit on, a bit on bit the nose, much. isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit on the nose. Um, but it happens in the books, and I can see why they yeah. probably chose to include it. Um, just to give... The, the full circle, you know, just to give Frodo his kind of complete story as much as anything else, and Gandalf. And the, um, and the whole stuff with the book as well, where Sam gets to write yeah. his own chapters in. and Yeah, and obviously the book is inherited, you know, it's, it's Bilbo that wrote all these stories and yeah. his adventures about the Hobbit. And, yeah, and, and they, they do that so effectively. Um, we've got a few questions, um, or a lot of comments, because people still love these films, as you, you would expect. Um let me see. And I'm pleased that now I understand why. I, yeah, I, I, do, I, I definitely get why so many people rave and rave and rave about them. Yeah, and then they are like, they are pioneering. You know, you, like you said, you look back and they're almost 20 years old, some of these films, and they're just doing things that no one else had dreamt of at that stage, you know? And the doors they've opened, I mean, how you probably wouldn't have had as easy a road to... Game of Thrones, no, if you hadn't had you, that. Game of Thrones wouldn't have got commissioned. I, I, I 100% don't think Game of Thrones gets commissioned without Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it, it certainly just, opened just up because... the doors. And I'm I'm very excited for this TV show. Now, that was one of the other reasons, because I'm thinking, well, the Lord of the Rings show is going to be very similar tone-wise to Game of Thrones. I can't watch a Lord of the Rings show without watching the, um, the films. And it's meant to be set around the time that the uh, the rings were forged, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. It, so it, it's set it's a couple a bit... of that. Is it a, a few thousand years? Or... Oh yeah, I think it is. Yeah. 
Um, we've got a couple of questions that relate to things we've kind of just discussed. Emma Sanders, who never came on the show. We need to rectify that. Good friend of ours. Um, said one, Frodo becomes increasingly annoying throughout the trilogy. Yep. Um, yeah, I think we've just said that. He, he does, um, but I think we, we said where it comes from. I mean, the sequence after he's left without his armor and he'd been, you know, stabbed by the spider and left in the tower, you kind of saw how frail he was, you know what I mean? He's he's, he's just been ripped apart, hasn't he? And just as he thinks he's about to overcome it, you know, he gets his fucking finger bitten off by Gollum. Oh, Christ, yeah. He's had a rough ride of things, hasn't he? He's been stabbed, he's lost half a finger and he's had to carry that ring, which is just not not a fun experience because he's being mentally tortured throughout yeah. the whole thing. It's 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 pretty rough. I, I you know I, I get it though. He's quite annoying. Um, Eowyn is a badass character. She plays a little bit washy in the films. She's played a bit washy in the middle film um, in the Two Towers when she's pining after Aragon a little bit too much. Yeah, but I think she's a real badass in in the film. Oh, in in, in Return really of the well. King, yeah. she's like. Aragon, Legolas, Gimli level badass. Oh, you know, yeah. she, she defies her father. She she marches into battle. She's she just wants. Well, she's to taking fight, down Elfins and then she takes down the Night King or whatever it is. Not the Night King, but the, you know the kid, the Witch King. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's she's a badass, I, and I I really like Miranda Otto. I think she's really good in this actually. So. And she looked incredible as well. Yeah. And also, third point, Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn are the greatest trio in film. In fact, uh, not far off. I, I love their sequences together. I think the beginning of the second film, Two Towers, when they are doing that cross-country running after all the orcs. Yeah, you've got genius. them two bound and all over the place, and Gimli's just there with half dragon on Legolas the floor. Legolas is basically skipping across mountaintops, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, for him, it's just a small cardio, and Gimli's putting in full, full, you know, he's, he's full dad bod you know struggling it's it's genius um right who else um emitting yeah so the guy michael mccarrick said about emitting the scouring of the shire they undermined the maturity of the hobbits yeah a little bit um it it would have been nice to see even if they didn't do that if they could have put something in that that's the best way of looking at it isn't it the maturity it would have been interesting if they'd put something in to show that the hobbits that come home aren't the same as the ones that went away, rather than just Sam finally being able to propose. You know, if, I don't know, like somebody had come round and somebody was trying to rough up some of the hobbits and they step up and, you know, make this this bully go away or, or just something to show that, yeah, we might still be hobbits, but, you know, we're not a pushover anymore. We're not just going to let yeah. people walk all over us as a, as a tip of the hat to it. But you couldn't have had a five-hour film. I mean no, that no. that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, it's three hours twenty non-extended version. It's it's a pretty chunky thing a anyway. Mammoth, and I, I'm I sure it's about three forty-five, three fifty. Yeah, in, in the extended version, and that's yeah. by anyone's standards. And the that's guy, pretty I mean, hefty. the guy loves to go over the top. If you do watch the Hobbit trilogy, um, I think I will just stage, for the sake of it's, it. They're still good films. Um, they're nowhere near this level because. The Hobbit is one book, not three. Yeah. And he basically stretches it out to be in a trilogy in the events a lot of what happens in the third film. Um, but the dragon sequences in the second film are really, really effective. And, and I think Martin Freeman's great. And there's some good, good moments in there that kind of wrap it all together. But um, yeah, he loves to 
over elaborate and I, he became a bit um george lucas he became a bit self-indulgent in this this hobbit in the hobbit films but i yeah. think he's done his best to condense what is three huge books into into three pretty incredible films so um stephen neville uh irish nev on twitter uh massive laundering fan uh movies do the books justice new zealand is middle earth which i agree uh casting was absolutely nailed which we've mentioned everyone in this it's just perfect um helms deep over battle of winterfell yeah nah, for me probably uh sam's a real hero as the everyman and i agree he is the everyman which is yeah good. definitely and Liv Tyler never looked better. Um, I disagree. I think she looked better in Empire Records, but hey, that's just me. Fair enough. I I, I don't disagree. I love um, Empire Records. Yeah, Liv Tyler was a mega baby, said on another one, and a badass alpha bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, her sequence, actually, we didn't mention, um, when she is taking Frodo, who's on his deathbed again, uh, through the forest and then over the river where she summons all the, the water to rise with the horses in. The yeah. water is really cool. Really, really cool. Um, let's see if we've got any more. A lot of people respond to this because it was quite a popular thing. No, I think we're pretty good on on the comments, but um, yeah, it's it's good to see people still. You know, Connor who does a a, a podcast uh, first take pod, which is really good. Uh, a couple of people I know do that, really really cool. Luke Chandley who never got on our podcast, but we will try and rectify that. Um, individual standout moments from the trilogy for me, it's hard to look past Helm's Deep. I think that's fair, but like we yeah. said, there's so much good stuff in these films. Um, I love the mines in in the first film, uh, and the Shire, and then you know that whole battle sequence. I mean, even that battle sequence right at the end when they they rock up to the gate and Aragon gives that huge speech, um, and they kind of run into battle, and Aragon leads the way. The hobbits quickly follow, and then the hobbits are passed by everybody because yeah. they're so small. <laughs> um, but they're so brave, do you know what I mean? And they're good fighters, man. I mean, they're quite hard to hit because they're so small. But they really have become quite good fighters at that stage. I, you know, it, it did kind of try to get across that they've really developed, do you know what I mean? And they were kicking um, orcs' asses, along with, you know, Sam was doing the same double-sworded going up that tower in that third film, do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more you could talk about. But it, it, it's it, for me, it's just been a kind of pleasure to kind of touch upon the, the real kind of key moments. Uh, you know, it's it is quite a pioneering trilogy. I saw that the Matrix is getting a re-release. That's 20 years old, and I think what the Shit. Matrix did for sci-fi, this has really done for like fantasy, as yeah. you said before, and it's really kind of opened people's eyes into fantasy isn't just about kind of geeks and, and Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like in back in the day, I think people just saw it as being, you know, I think it's, it's obviously become very vogue. Game of Thrones was watched by people that would never class themselves as geeks or whatever. Um, and, and that, I think that trend the obviously Rings, started with this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and this really opened a lot of people's eyes to, to, you know, what fantasy can be. Uh, on a on a huge scale, but obviously Jackson did it. He's so meticulous, you know. He produces the edits, the work, and the CG that this film produced, and and the motion capture is just is is incredible. And as I said, the CG, you know, there's moments of it that, you know, not so 
quite as effective as they they, they once were, but it's it's 20 years old practically, and the matrix would be the same. But for me, the, the practical effects he used, there's the sequences with the horses, he got about I think 400 riders. So you know, like with with Game of Thrones in Belfast, everyone's been an extra. Yeah, there was a, a, an advert went out for New Zealand. Anyone that can ride a horse can you come and be on set basically so you know that sequence um in this film and i think it was probably the third film when they had that huge horse sequence when they all ride in five thousand horses or whatever it is i think it was 500 and they've just amplified and magnified yeah as you said each one of them looks different i've seen how they do stuff like that before they they take like a row of 100 extras don't they and then yeah. they, they literally just copy and paste. So the hundred becomes a thousand, becomes yeah. two, five, ten, whatever. And it's quite amazing how it works. But oh, it, each, it's it the finer is. details that he did. It's that attention to detail. It's like the sunrise in Helm's Deep when they all the horses rock in. But it looks so good. You know, and like we said, all the orcs look different. And talked about that kind of orc who's kind of the boss in the third one. You know, with all the bulging head that looks like that crazy guy in, in Resident Evil 3. Yeah. But, you know, ugly motherfucker. He's a real ugly bastard, that one in, in, in Lord of the Rings. Um, and that all the prosthetics, all the makeup, all the practical effects, all the outfits. Is, and the choreography as well. Some of the yeah. fight stuff. The fights the, and the horse there's sequences. There's so much close quarters fighting yeah. going on. I mean, I've, it's something we've, we've got yeah. a huge amount of respect for seeing from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing, but on, on the bigger scale, isn't it? It is hundred percent. To to, and, to and, have that know, many real life extras, and you're having to safely coordinate them so that nobody gets stabbed or battered. It's well, if you read through, and I was just looking through on IMDb, the amount of injuries, <laughs> broken toes, broken arms, broken fingers, you know, loads of stuff happened. But they came, you know, like Aragon and Viggo Mortensen became a really high-end you know horse rider you know and all the all the work he'd done with his sword he's a real excellent I suppose you've got to because if if your day job is right for the next however yeah. long you know 12 18 months you are going to be on and off a horse multiple times yeah. a day you've got to get used to it, otherwise you're just making yourself miserable if they say exactly. right we need you to be wielding a sword you've got to at least be competent with it otherwise well, it's you're the just same making like it Carl, harder Carl Urban isn't it Carl Urban's so effective on a horse he's such an imposing big guy Consider but... he's such a big fella because he's not just tall he's stocky i mean at no least and they're not say riding all... ponies man they're riding stallions oh yeah you know? i mean at and least with horse... orlando bloom he's quite a sleek yeah not slim he's a slight, but, you know, he's, he's he's a slight, slight fella yeah but carl urban's like a wardrobe oh no exactly exactly i bet you <laughs> he's horse riding... was fucking happy at the end of the day when he got off <laughs> I mean that that horse. I must say. I mean all those uh, all those details and effects. But Shadowfax, which is um, Gandalf the the white, it's his horse. You know, in the second film, it's just stunning that horse and those sequences oh, the white when he's yeah when he's riding them and he's like um, I don't know what he says. It's not like ride like the wind, but it's I think he it, does it, say ride like the wind. Yeah, it, oh, it, it's something. Yeah, but it's words to that effect, and he's, it, those sequences are so so effective. Like it's, and they've it's put those panoramic kind of shots. They've put like a CGI effect on it, so it it looks almost a little bit blurred. 
You know, like yeah. he's traveling almost magically fast. Yeah, he is like the king. Of, I think they say he's the king of all horses. So he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, he is like, and and in the books, there's loads of good stuff around that. It it was like for a shot of a horse, they gave the horse like a good thirty seconds to a minute when he when he's introduced. That's like more than some of the extras got. <laughs> um, so they really did care about the horse. Um, but it is, you know, for New Zealand, it is it is very much outdoor country. It made sense. But those panoramic, you know. The pan out shots are just fantastic of that. All the all the surroundings, all the scenery, and the second film plays out like that because it is it is the grasslands. You know what I mean? It's the it's the horse country. You know that's where they all live. Yeah. So it's very different. Um, and and that that stuff looks beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it is. In, in mean, terms of the settings, that's probably my yeah. favourite one because it just looks so different. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It's so all the green and, and so the, peaceful and yeah. rural. Uh, it's a beautiful country. I would. It reminds me from Game of Thrones of like the Reach. Yeah. In terms of it's so out the way and it, it, it doesn't yeah. seem to be as involved with a lot of the um, the politics that's going on everywhere else. It's like it's its own little place. Yeah, when, and they did when quite it's well needed, with that. There is a lot sort of politics in. that comes into it. Do you know what I mean? Like between, like the, there was some mention about the two houses needing to come together because you know they hate each other. You know. Um, um, What's his name? Uh, uh, the king. Uh, oh God, I can't remember his name. I had it before. Um, but Denethor, who was the the steward of Gondor, you know that where were where was you know where was the king when we needed him? And you know the same. But they just fight with each other. Yeah. And they had to get Gandalf had to get um, Pippin to light the beacons so that he would come because the other guy was too stubborn to do it do you know what i mean so it was a call for help it was a call for aid so you know it was it was interesting they, After they do originally the said he well. wouldn't come because oh yeah because it, it basically didn't serve them yeah exactly so they they're, they're they're rowing as much as the kind of elements you get in game of thrones but it's obviously it's a little bit more rushed along as much as 10 hours is rushed yeah um but no, there's so much you could dissect, but it, it's real. It's it's a masterful, you know, creation. Yeah, one fair amount of Oscars got a lot of acclaim. Um, people universally adore these films. Few don't. There's some kind of snobbish kind of views around it again, but I, I really... There always you know, will be. Yeah, I think there always will be. Fantasy, yeah. anything that involves orcs and dragons and elves and stuff will always yeah. be derided by some people as... Yeah. It, it people will still act like it's it's niche, but that's the yeah. thing. Fan, the, these proved that they made so much money. And fantasy they were films so aren't just the people acclaimed. who read Tolkien books and Terry yeah. Pratchett and play Dungeons and Dragons. It's for people that watch, you know, reality TV and love oh, rom-coms yeah. with Catherine Heigl and all the rest of it. You know, anyone can like anything. So yeah, but there's always going to be Catherine Heigl's been mentioned on our podcast. That's quite and probably the last. She's just one of those names that around that time, early to mid two thousands, if there was a rom com, it featured Catherine Heigl. Is she knocked up? Is she? Yes. Is she the one that's knocked up? Yeah. Yeah. See, I I love that film, but she and she's quite annoying in that. To be fair, she's very annoying in most things. Yeah, she is. Um, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to cover such uh, kind of kind of important thing and you you actually watched you actually watched it it's incredible (laughs) stubbornness only took you 20 years mate it's quite impressive so i will i'll be in touch when you're 60 and you've watched mad max fury road yeah well we'll we'll... 55 okay i'll I'll give you five years grace nice um but that was fun we will come back 
with other podcasts in the near future. Next I think one we've will got probably Stranger be Things Spider-Man. or Spider-Man. Yeah, I think Spider-Man first, and then we'll talk about Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, which is going to be cool, man. Stranger Things is out next week. Shit, um, next? Oh, God. Well, I'm away Fourth next weekend, so I don't see me touching it. No, but it's it's one of those. Uh, I Mind you, I'll be watching it with things. Michelle, so I don't get to binge properly anyway. Not like my level of binges in. No, uh, your binges is, is is ten hours in it in in ten hours in it. It's ten yeah, episodes, ten much. hours. Yeah, um, but it's going to be pretty epic, and, and Spider Man is going to be, I think, quite a, an incredible film and. It'll be the big start of summer, really. Um, By the time we record, I'll have seen yet. it twice. At least, wow. if not three times. It depends whether me and Michelle go and watch it soon. Shit, man. You're really in for this. Um, I but, wasn't planning yeah. on I was only planning on going and watching, uh, watching it once with me mate Tom. But then I'm in Leeds next weekend for one of my uh, mate's birthdays. Cool. And he said, we're going to go for some food. Go to a, some bar that's got arcade games. Oh, and we're oh. going to go and watch the new Spider-Man film. Was you like, sound like you're having okay. the best weekend of your life, man. It'll that's be pretty good. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Chat there. Um, I will. I will try and. I will watch it at least once with my little boy, and then we'll see how we get on from there. But no, exciting times. Um, but yeah, we will be back with you. Not in a month's time. I think we will be back with you. Hopefully shortly. Not. And if any other topics people want to throw at us, um, we we do keep meaning to get guests on, but these things are becoming quite tricky to arrange, so it might become increasingly hard. We've had no guests yet, so it's can't get any we worse. We might eventually have one. We struggle enough, don't we, find in a time when we're, we're both free. Yeah, fit and healthy, which is quite rare. Yeah. Um, he says no, coughing we, and sniffing away. I know, over exactly, there. man. Jesus, it's not, I'm not saying that, that convincing, am I? Um, but no, thanks for tuning in. Do recommend us, as you have been doing. Do keep interacting. Um, I know we've not been as active, but it's nice when we put out a topic like this and loads of responses to Lord of the Rings and stuff. So, yeah, please keep it coming. And do kind of share us around. It's it's one of those things that's really tricky, I've realised, to get a podcast not just kind of out there in the ether, but kind of heard as well, because people will kind of go oh you know i like what you guys talk about but then they never get around to clicking on it and i'm guilty myself i listen to a lot of podcasts and and sometimes i go christ i've been meaning to do that but i listen to the regular ones i listen to so yeah why not give us a try and give us a listen and go back we've got a good back catalogue of of interesting shit that we like to talk about um so yeah thanks for tuning in and we will be back with you soon